Everyone runs away from pain, dodging the truth it comes with. But you are done with limiting your greatness in the shackles of fear. You see fuel in the fire. You taste ripe fruit in real answers. You move to the drums with wild expression. Enter From Pain to Gain, the podcast about identifying pain so you can ultimately gain health and wealth. Because without identifying a mountain, how can you climb it? Here's your host, Ivan Alpha. Welcome back to From Pain to Gain. Today we are talking escaping financial pits. I have my brother here, Fred Williams, and I'll just jump into an introduction for him. Fred Williams is a leader in both the corporate sector and in ministry. He's the founder and CEO of two nonprofit organizations, Elite Freedom and CrossFit Lifestyle. Fred's organization has helped provide non-perishable food to over 10,000 people in less than four years in multiple states. And on a more personal note, Fred lost 142 pounds. That's a lot in less than 14 months without any cuts, knives, surgery, drugs, or diet plan. And on a more personal side, he's also been married for 20 years, which is also fantastically commendable. And overcame many financial issues throughout his life, including while being single, to married, to having a family with three children. Uh, Welcome in, Fred. Thanks, Ivan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure uh, being here with you and the channel. Awesome, bro. It was great meeting you in Israel, that trip. uh, We had a group tour a few weeks ago. That was a special time. We'll have to make a separate episode on that in the future, right, Fred? (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so financial issues. This is something that even while making a lot of money is easy to jump into, right? Uh, I myself have uh, even making massive amounts of money in corporate America, still struggled with debts and uh, spending money on the right things. And I even knew a, a very close friend of mine that made over a hundred grand a year that still with one daughter struggled to pay the bills. This guy was doing the extreme stuff. Uh, he came to do like uh, cutting his own hair and having only like three sets of clothes. And I was like, wow, if uh, you're having trouble, I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I have children <laughs> with my wife. But that was years ago. Um, so in case you're new to the show, by the way, before we start jumping into the different segments, let me explain to you uh, kind of how we are going to go through this. It's uh, the segment of a timeline for working through any issue, particularly financial. Uh, and Fred will be sharing his experience as will I throughout the meeting. Uh, number one is complacency. So being okay with what you're going through. Um, you might not even know better. Uh, atrophy. So just letting that sit in your life and guilt kind of more turning point of, hey, I don't like living this way. And then the escape, the actual plan of action out of whatever is going through your life, in this case, financial issues. So complacency. Uh, I kind of touched on, you know, the issues I had when I was in corporate America, uh, Fred, uh, and kind of habits. I'll, I'll talk to more of my habits later, but could you speak to your side of the story, too? Sure, man. Oh, man. Work as, as a young man, um, working prior to marriage and working a job and um, nearly making somewhere around $60,000, poor habits and complacency definitely led to me down a road of destruction 
because I had no knowledge and no awareness of what I was doing with what I was making um, based on poor decisions, even at one point as a shared um, is actually had, went through a repossession of a car because of complacency. So, Ooh. And then uh, also we kind of touched on before, uh, before we started recording that uh, you didn't quite know what way out because you just didn't have the right circle around you. Right. Um, yeah. So as as a young man growing up in a single family home, um, very limited resources, and then even you know for my mom, um, not having a good solid uh, financial understanding or the ability to transfer knowledge to her children, um, that was very hard. Um, not having resources there to sort of like train and develop like what what are the best practice outside of working hard, uh, put your money in four hundred one k and just do the best you can on a job and, and you'll make it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have these kind of other kind of I guess American dream type things that also we are maybe ignorant to. I think uh, that is not necessarily the right way to go about things. Like uh, for me finding out uh, that corporations actually don't much like, especially larger corporations, they don't care much about you as a person and you growing, you could be working, you know, for 20 years for a corporation. And if they just want to lay off executives, if you worked your way up to that level, that's just what's going to happen with your life. And you may not have anything else. You know, you may have been making four hundred, five hundred $500,000 a year. Like I've heard, uh, friends of mine actually doing and once they get let go they're just they don't have any other money source and no job leads because uh, they're way up that corporate ladder it was not exactly uh they were protecting what happens if this doesn't work out uh they were just kind of following the american dream of i got a nice house and nice car and nice school and stuff like this but never actually stopping to think about oh backup plan I need to have assets. I need to make things work for me as opposed to keep on working for this uh, money, you know, indefinitely. And higher you work up corporate ladder too, I would argue you actually lose more family time, you know, working more or more risk of working 50, 60 hour weeks uh, plus. Um, Any thoughts on that, on the complacency side? um, Wow, man. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I can have a long, long answer for that, but you know, in short, it's one of those things, man. Life brings us experiences, but working hard for someone else's dreams so much so that we lose grip and reality of our own personal dreams, and then we just get complacent with just going after the the American dream or the dream that seemingly fits with our society is I got the nice house. I got the nice wife. We got the kids, you know, we got the pool or we can uh, travel and explore um, a little bit differently than, you know, years now being an entrepreneur, you know, not realizing that corporate America, someone was an entrepreneur and we just happened to be working for the entrepreneur and making their business good without having the knowledge on how to do the same thing and apply those same work ethics for us. So we end up losing that quality of time. I can't tell you how many years I may have lost with my children and my wife over the, the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Very, it's a big deal. Yeah. And there's, you know, I'm sure there are gratifying corporate positions uh, just to kind of not make everybody feel bad. You know, <laughs> the, 
maybe actually protected, right? Like it may be a job, maybe in the tech world where you're programming, where other companies may be hiring for that. Maybe programming gives you a lot of gratification. Um, but essentially not having a backup plan, not having investments, uh, not having the right circle of like, I guess, financial literacy is kind of setting you up for failure because you could, I don't know about you, but I just thought about this phrase, uh, serial fillers. Yeah, mm -hmm. I could easily call myself a serial filler in, in most of my life where like, for example, when I got that first, uh, you know, credit card with a $10,000 balance, I was like, Ooh, mm -hmm. time to fill this thing. <laughs> and that is not exactly the best decision to do, but I think, particularly with uh, somebody like me where, you know, there's this rap lyric that comes up, which is a uh, spending dough. Like I never had S you finish that profane word mm. um, that, that really, when you, I guess when you're growing up with childhood traumas, you got to be careful about that sort of thing. Like when you get access to serious cash, spending it everywhere, even though it's actually not doing much for you, like I've got on many Amazon binges. I don't know about you, Fred, but <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. <laughs> I don't do the Amazon binges, but I, I have enjoyed other uh, ways of spending spending money. Again, I can't tell you exactly where I spent it all. I just can tell you how I enjoyed certain things or aspects of life back then. Yeah. Like, not so much as now. And yeah, I think uh, a phrase you actually used, which was pretty heavy hitting for me uh, before was... Uh, I, I was making 60 grand a year, but I didn't know where it was going. And that was, uh, that, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that statement. Yeah, and, and, and didn't know where it was going. And as we, you know, we sit here and, you know, often have to reflect on past practices, rather they were good. Like we said about corporate America, it's wonderful. I mean, I'm in corporate America as far as a full-time job right now, um, and I enjoy it. Um, but when you talk about the money that you make and the things that we're doing is, not growing up in a poor household, coming out to make $60,000 in my early 20s, I just wanted to live life and enjoy the way that I felt like I should. And there was no documenting process. Right? Like mm -hmm. it was just like, it's my money. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm spending where I want to spend it. And who cares? And then when I got married, you know, I was mindful that I just can't spend money my way, is the song where I said it, do it my way. But mm -hmm. we did it together. However, those practices made it a little bit rough in the beginning. So it made our dreams delayed a lot longer because it had to clean up past um, practices or behaviors, the good and the bad. Yeah. Makes me think of that corny accident attorney line on TV. It says, it's my money. I want it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is... I guess kind of a, a American belief, right? Like it's all about me, mm -hmm. but as more, as you, I guess, grow up more into adulthood, you start to see more long-term about stuff or when you want to decide to actually think about the long-term, like, well, how is my decision today going to affect my, you know, in your case, three children, uh, 20 years down the line. Uh, so I'm glad that you kind of made that decision throughout your your family, your marriage to to kind of work through that. Um, what sort of uh, atrophy did you go through? Would you say like 
and living that sort of way, Fred? Um, at some point had to deal with the, the, um, some level of guilt, um, and thinking about, you know, guilt is also had to grieve a part of the process of losing a lifestyle in order to gain another one, if that makes sense. You know, most, you know, most of us associate a level of grief with a loved one or, but it's the absence of something that we've been accustomed to, something being stripped away from us. So we like I I had a repossession and then during marriage um after we got married during still struggling to try to overcome some of those challenges and battles financially we began doing pretty good but we had to stop like we had to pause when the um housing industry crashed back in 07 05 uh, no 07 07 I had to remember the date so back in 2007 that really affected our house. And we had, again, had to live through because of past practices. We didn't have as much saved. We weren't as far ahead as we wanted to be. And I had to actually file bankruptcy. So the astrophy of that is a lot of unwarranted things came our way. And we still figured out a way to still have some joy in that. But hopefully that answers the question that you're asking me. But Oh, yeah. I guess to kind of timeline it out the uh i guess not progressing enough and kind of sitting in that not progressing enough the atrophy of not using those financial muscles caused these added consequences Mm -hmm. um so that makes sense um for me i could relate to it in a i'm trying to think of a more recent way in terms of atrophy the even after leaving my job uh, in 2017, there were still kind of remnant issues of of not dealing with things financially. But there was also new identity issues, which is uh, I'm no longer being paid hourly, biweekly. I'm only being paid by the effort I put in, uh, which could be great, but it could also not be great at times. But one of the consequences of that is at, at a certain point, I, I realized, oh, I'm making, you know, $70,000 for my rental properties. But mortgages, debts is eating up 50000 of that. Mm-hmm. And so while I have this pie in the sky number of, oh, wow, look at how great I'm doing. I replaced my corporate income. I'm not doing anything for the most part. I'm laying, laying down on my couch. But I got this drastic 80% just chomping out, right? So I didn't really handle my financial literacy and really understanding what my debts were doing to my actual like quality of life. Even if I did have a large chunk of change that got got me through certain months, I still had to keep in mind, hey, this is going to run out. Like I got to do something about this debt that just keeps on uh, chomping out at the bit. Um, so... Th- that's kind of my atrophy and having to go into the guilt section, like you mentioned, kind of the turning point for me was I don't, I don't want to keep, you know, waking up uh, thinking, oh, three months from now, six months from now, I don't know if my reserve will be able to accommodate me uh, and my family and I can't keep living like this. So I got to, you know, really take care of these debts in a systematized way. So I'm not living in fear or living in, oh, do I have to take on another uh, set of uh, sales or 
do I have to hire X amount of people to offset this upcoming fear of mine? Like, how about I just get rid of this gigantic debt that's eating up my, my monthly income as fast as possible. Mm. Um, so that's one of my guilt points. And there were actually scary points throughout the last, what would that be? Five years to where I was concerned about my household mm. and I had to take drastic steps to, to reach that, which was uncomfortable, painful for me and my wife. Um, but ultimately had to be done and we got gain out of it and much more, uh, understanding out of it. Another, another great thing was I'm more comfortable talking to her about financial issues now too, uh, as opposed to curling up, like I'll deal with this. You stay over there. (laughs) What other aspects on the guilt side or turning point side did you have, uh, (laughs) there, Fred? Well, yeah, you know, it, financial uh financial problems does bring a strain and a uh strain on the relationship um both because because we all deal with things differently as individuals and trying to you know be a husband and a companion and you know you're dealing with certain things i know before we got started we talked about even like with the expectations of us as men you know, and wanting to be there for our wives and our family. And this financial part is really big because when you, in addition to what you were saying earlier, I've thought about the educational piece, educational bills and not looking forward far enough into the future to figure out how to, how things are going to plan out. I mean, even some of the most successful people, even doctors still have a lifelong or a long time period before they're able to pay off student debts, especially here in the United States. Uh, paying off student loans. That was something, um, a turning point. And then what's coming in versus the output and how long will it take to the point where you're actually, your output is less than what you're bringing in to be able to really live, live on the sofa and be like, you know, I, I you know, money can feel like it's being made 24 seven, or you position yourself to be able to make money 24 seven depending on what your goals are. For like me, you know, like even with the Elite Freedom, the non-for-profit that we have here locally, one of our goals is not to make a lot, is not to make money, is not, it's, it's a non-for-profit, but is to bless people and to make sure that they have what they need. And so for my family, you know, that outcome is also doing the same thing, being able to provide that coming, you know, I think you said over the hump or the overcoming that hurdle. Um, yeah. That's one. Yeah. Um, I will say this too, that maybe you can relate to this, Fred, uh, in your experience, it's easy as men to, for example, I think fall into a, I I just didn't tell my wife because I don't want to worry her. And I've been guilty of that myself of like, uh, this is coming to a head, but you know, I'll just worry her if I share what's going on. Whereas actually it's valuable for them to know, to see, you know, maybe they could offset some of the risk coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Another great thing that comes to mind is uh, being able to just accept the reality that, that your money is kind of where your heart is. I would say pretty much like 75% of the time. (laughs) Yes. So being able to, share that with a loved one or forget even maybe you're single being able to share that with an advisor investment advisor whatever being able to have real conversations about where you're at 
is a pretty strong position to be versus I'm going to do me and I'm going to spend it my way mm-hmm. and spend your way right into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, any thoughts on that, Fred? Um, I'll give a short answer. And and if I may, I mean, there is a verse that immediately came to mind um, with that. It just says where our, where our, your treasure is, is where our heart lies also. And Matthews, and it talks about that. And my, this is something that my wife and I had to really check and balance ourselves is where is our money going? And does it represent our heart? Because if where our money's going doesn't represent our true our heart with where it is today, where our heart was years ago may be a little different, but does it reflect where our heart is today? And if it doesn't, then we need to rethink what we're doing with our finances. Aside from the fact of the things where electric has to be paid every month, water, we, we don't get to choose those places unless we change our residency. But those are things that come along with the territory for whenever we live, unless we pay off our mortgage, then we don't have to deal with Wells Fargo, Bank of America, citizens, and all these other financial institutions. But I would agree is where our heart is, that's where our, where our treasure is, that's, that's a representation of where our heart is. Um, so, you know, and then that even comes back with investing into our families, you know, for with having three children, we, we often reflect on, um, where we are spending and how we're spending on our children and not to put it necessarily in their pockets, but make life to what it needs to be and not over strenuous. And that's like we talked about before, that can be a whole nother, uh, topic or discussion from, you know, where they are versus where we are because in which position our hearts to be in a lot better place. Amen, bro. You know, you shared also kind of your journey before the recording. And that by itself was pretty powerful. You were actually in pretty low credit range. And now you're in the high rung. Plus, uh, I think you said it was four properties y'all have owned. Um, So I also wanted to bring you in because of just that experience alone. Like not a lot of people could say they've had that journey, uh, particularly in marriage or even by themselves. Sure. You want me to expand upon it? Oh, sure. You can. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you know, we, we, I would say in, in, in that light that you just shared, we've been blessed uh, to be able to sign the mortgage papers for four different homes. I promise you the first one was out of pure necessity of a, a, a bad situation. But after that, we mortgaged the first one. We moved to the second one, was able to temporary rent the first one, but things didn't work out. And then we just decided not to do the rent. But that came through some struggles and some strife. And then the other component with, you know, credit score. Now, to say we mortgaged the house when we first got married, would have never been able to do it. My credit score, my personal credit score, which is not my wife's, was let at in the high 400s or right around 500. And today, my wife and I, we sit not boastfully, but humbly at, uh, at about 800. And that's through a lot of work. It, from that complacency, the pain that that created, the astrophy, and now bridging to a point of, I think we're going to get to how we escaped, you know, yeah. coming out of those situations. There was, Before we jump in there, I want to jump back to something here. Because you, you, you made me think of something. When you said... Uh, the representation of, of where your heart is is where your your money is is being spent. But uh, to speak to kind of your first or second property, there's also uh, something that the heart reveals 
if we decide to kind of really dig deep into the Bible and, and kind of get advice on it, is where your heart is about losing money. And uh, you mentioned a powerful experience about how basically a fellow uh, Christian took advantage of you and, and decided just not to pay you rent to cover, you know, the bills and, you know, whatever, maybe grow, increase your net profit. And uh, so that was not comfortable. But uh, I would say there's uh, another verse that one could uh, kind of have a deeper look into, which is anybody that um, doesn't take care of the household is worse than a non-believer, which is <laughs> on face value, hard to hard to take in. <laughs> it has been hard for me. But Ooh, that's heavy. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it, like, you don't have to take responsibility for that guy. Like they're taking advantage of you. You're, you're losing money for them. It's okay to, you know, evict them. It, and I think it's hard for uh, Christians to be able to take that in because we take the sacrifice, the picking up the cross so seriously, which is commendable. But then <laughs> there's the aspect of like, hey, we got to let them pick up their cross too, right? And kind of letting people slide and forgiving them indefinitely is also kind of hindering them from honoring themselves, honoring who they are as, as uh, God's children. And so it was, it was hard for me to kind of even look into that for myself and kind of, I always would let my tenants slide on a lot of things, which is why I decided anything that has a conflict of interest stay away from the actual business, the meat of the business, like friends, family, they can cannot rent from me because I would just, you know, pour over my heart for them. <laughs> yeah. Your heart may be revealed and uh, their heart could be revealed, right? Cause you have some folks that's going to do the right thing because their personal convictions and where their heart really is, they're going to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. and for example, like where you said, some of the reasons why, but you also are mindful to guard yourself, not to expose you and or another other individual to have to position themselves to be that way. And the gentleman who the family that rented from us happened to be a coworker uh, and a friend. Um, and they named the name of Christ and um, proclaimed being a believer. But, naturally in the sense they just did not have it well together with the finances in honoring the commitment um it's one thing to fall inside you know have a financial deficit and you run into a situation it's a different thing just not to simply blatantly honor your your commitments yeah um and that 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 didn't necessarily it revealed a couple of things to me but it also let me see okay how far am I willing to go before letting a person, like you just said, um, be accountable for the things that they're responsible for. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that was, that was a challenge though, but that was, yeah. <laughs> challenge. it was tough. I had to be peaceful. I had to be mild. I, I had to have temperance. <laughs> you got all the spiritual gifts in one spoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so exemplify all of the fruit, man. And I'm telling you, <laughs> Behind closed doors, when it was just me, I could, uh, you know, but, you know, but even for years after that, we, that me and that individual remained in a good, uh, we had a good relationship and brotherhood for a certain period of time, because that also opens up an opportunity for a level of forgiveness, not forgetfulness in one aspect, of course, because I can bring it up now, but forgiveness is that I hold nothing against that those individuals at all. Amen, bro. I just got to ask, though. Since you worked with this guy, like literally day to day, did you want to like power slam him? 
The WWE. Mm. <laughs> Listen, yes, I wanted to bless him in a whole non <laughs> non sanctuary experience, if you know what I mean. Uh, it was definitely, definitely, it was, it was a true. You know, not to be so cliche, but it was definitely a trying of my character. Um, and yeah, so I and I love the WWF. You know okay. I mean? <laughs> yeah, the original. <laughs> I, I know a few moves that I could have, you know, imposed them, but you know, the 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 better part of me, the God part of me, just it was a little better. It made me be better. So hey, I mean, man, bro, that's good. For for those of us that may not know what the fruits of the spirit are, they're uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. So let's go ho- go ahead and jump into the escape portion. Fred, what was your kind of uh, escape route look like? Well, the escape route definitely consisted of um, us exposing ourselves to um, knowledgeable people surrounding ourselves with the uh people that had experience as well as education um and have ex- had you know like some some negative things happen to them so the most part was it um submitting ourselves to be teachable and to walk through the journey and to just do things differently um than we had done before and it meant really uh cutting back on some stuff so we had to make some major changes initially what were kind of the specifics of what you had to cut back if you don't mind sharing well specifically first thing was what's essential and what's not whatever wasn't essential and if it wasn't in the budget it had to be cut cable was not essential had to be cut eating out was not essential had to be cut um, driving, we went as far as if we left our house, Ivan, we left our house, we had to do multiple things in one circle so we didn't waste gas. We was very restricted on how far we went, where we went, and quick stories. I even during this time, my wife really enjoyed, this is before, you know, online baking and all the other stuff. Surprise, I can't be that old. But <laughs> It was, you know, before online banking was really, you know, as much as how it is today, you couldn't pay. So she liked driving around to the stores. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the only option was drive to the store, put it in the mail. Right. Well, a stamp was much cheaper than gas. So we would buy the stamps and make sure that we would mail them off rather than drive to the store to burn extra gas. <laughs> because it was 20 years ago to burn extra gas, just to go do simple things. And another part was very humbling is we even and because I'm I'm hopeful that someone that will hear this will be able to pick up on a few pieces. We even um, we submitted ourselves and open to knowledge as we got to a point where we couldn't sustain ourselves financially. So we had to one, I had to make a choice who was going to work. Is it me and my wife going to work or me or my wife's going to work? Because child care was more than what my wife would be able to bring home. And mm. since she was working. The government, we would be taxed. So we decided that she would not work. And then with her not working and being home with the kids, she was able to be the mom at home, stay at home mom. But it also positioned us to be able to use funds that were available through the government. Felt like I was a working citizen. I was contributing. Mm -hmm. I was, I was putting in, and this would be my way 
to be able to be a recipient of some of the things that have been invested for years, which was we had to apply for WIC and we had to give government assistance for a couple of years until we were able to correct our behaviors and be on the flip side of needing so much help and now being able to provide for ourselves and become self-sustaining. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. So it sounds like first and foremost, y'all wrote down a plan. Yes. So that's, I think, number one for anybody. Um, I remember in kind of the more darkest periods of my financial life, uh, I literally just brought out a spreadsheet, Google spreadsheet. And I said, this is what I have today. This is what I have coming in. This is what I have going out for the next seven days mm-hmm. and next month. And this is, you know, monthly, this is what I got to pay. And just having that kind of sit down like, Hey, this is real. This is not going anywhere. <laughs> and this is what I have today, even if it's $2. I think that's a pretty fi- powerful position to be. Mm-hmm. You know, just one step at a time, let's get through this and develop a plan instead of, oh, I'm just going to kind of go in a corner and it'll figure itself out at some point in the future. Um, got to face it head on. Yeah. Or what is worth, you got you to gotta face it head on if you're going to come out of it. You got to yeah. just... Yeah, even if it is scary, which is the subject of this channel, right? <laughs> From pain to gain. It is painful. Yeah. <laughs> it can be painful. Yeah. Um, so for me, kind of the turning point, um, I guess before I jump into the actual thing that made the biggest difference for me in, in terms of my finances uh, coming out of uh, being employed, One of the biggest things I realized, you know, speaking to that spreadsheet was I realized my my Corvette, my 1980 Corvette was pulling between 10 to 20 grand a year out of my pocket. Mm. This bottomless pit of a car Mm. that was on 15 tow trucks (laughs) over the last probably seven years or something that I owned it was uh, something I was wanting to actively not want to let go of right mm-hmm. there was emotional uh there was toxic reasons why i didn't want to give it up but once i you know hit that spreadsheet or hit reality i not immediately gave it up i immediately gave up spending so much money on it so within three years i did dwindle down how much i was spending on it and actually got myself a good daily driver that didn't cost much but at some point i realized okay every time at the end of the three years i realized every time i take this thing out the repair shop there's another issue that comes up so it's just time to sell this thing even if that's a massive loss Uh, i ended up spending uh selling it for like four grand i think which is not anywhere close what i bought it for much less what i spent on it but at some point you know there's investments that just you just have to cut your losses on and to be real with yourself and say, hey, I may be holding on to something because, well, for me, my heart and heart, mm-hmm. like, for example, one of my parents was saying, you should get rid of that thing. It ain't doing that for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Fred, but when somebody tells me to do something, I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm going to be like, hey, <laughs> let me show you why I'm right, even if it costs me massive amounts of losses. And, but nevertheless, I got what I got out of it and I was done with it. Um, 
and I've moved on to much more longer term viable cars. Now, okay, going past the kind of budget kind of spreadsheet thing, like that car, I would say a big thing that also drastically changed my financial position was me just having the guilt of being in a job I didn't really care about and spending money and action to get out of it. So I know in my heart, I'm a very extroverted guy hanging out with people, which is naturally conducive to real estate. Mm -hmm. And within about a year of, um, luckily my investments were able to let me leave my job. But about after a year, I realized that even stronger position in real estate was being able to do affordable housing and focusing on that. And so I would say, once you live and work in a field that you truly love, even if it's just a journey to that loving that thing, you could make exorbitant amounts of cash because think about it. Are you going to be working like a passionate maniac and putting out great um, products, great content for something you're not really crazy about or something that you're just, you can't wait to get out of bed to, do content for and stuff like that products for of course you're going to do greater things in, in your true talents um so that's my main advice there um trying to i i know i just had something but of course it left me also come back to me idea <laughs> Fred, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on on those points i made it, it happens uh you know that forgetfulness the forgetter works um, yeah. No, definitely got to do something you're passionate about. I am now, I you know, I commend you for being able to step away, um, you know, five years ago and just go into um, where you really want to be and that it's sustainable and it's life-giving at the same time. I, that's the part where, you know, it resonates with me is that it's life-giving. I enjoy what I do. Um, you know, Anything I do always involves people. I'm extroverted just like you, Ivan. I think that's how we started talking and interacting. Yeah. Um, it's just from a personality standpoint. But I also enjoy what I'm doing. But now I'm moving to something that's really allows me to express my passion and to see the amount of people, if I may segue to just one part of this, to see the amount of people that can be blessed through our passion and it be fruitful in multiple areas of our life if it brings income to us or gives us that ability to serve. I think that is the greatest part. And being able to, you know, do that in one area of my job now while on the side, also minister to other individuals because that's not something a part of me is not something where it's going to bring me a lot of financial gain, but is going to give someone else that stability that they need to be a little bit more financially well off because it's one less thing they sort of have to worry about. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense, bro. Um I I would say also the uh, there was a event I went to a couple months ago and I it was a speaking training and he was mentioning a statistic that came up for uh, Zig Ziglar this uh, sales guru guy and he was being i guess somebody was trying to convince him to make products uh to really sell and zig ziglar was like i don't need to make products i make plenty of money off my speeches and i change plenty of people from my speeches alone and nevertheless he went ahead and did a study with his i guess big database and out of you know, a hundred people, just a hundred people sample size. Only one of them said 
that they changed his life or their life through their speech, through Zig Ziglar's speech. All 99 said your products, even his limited amount of products, actually changed their life to do great sales things, business things, X, Y, Z. Wow. And so that sort of uh, passion, if we learn how to focus it into whatever it may be, maybe it's speeches, products, or services, whatever it may be, that passion alone will drive it and change hearts in massive ways if we decide to let it uh, versus kind of being passive uh, and going into the corner. Um, I remember one of the things actually in Israel, this this is the point, I just recalled it, by the way, Fred. (laughs) Praise God. So (laughs) when we were in Israel, one of the many churches we walked into, many historic churches, I remember one explicitly had about eight pillars. When you walk in, you could just see eight massive, or no, columns. Mm-hmm. Columns. And I, I could see immediately. There, You could make this into two or three levels. You'll probably have a bit between six to 12 units. <laughs> and so many homeless people, low margin income people, could be living here instead of and not doing much for Jesus's actual mission, which is helping the need, need. Right. Um, so if you walk into a place and you could just see things, your vision, you have an augmented reality of what should be there. That may be yeah. a sign of where you need to be in your journey. Uh, and that, and using your talents well, uh, to benefit your finances too, because you should be paid for your passion too. Um, Facts. So, so I, any uh, last points, uh, brother, before we wrap up this uh, episode? No, I don't. I don't really have many points. I mean, you know, from pain to gain, we talk about the financial. Um, I would summarize it in the part is be open. This this channel right here is something that is beneficial and you know something that is a great tool for other individuals who may be in the painful situation. Um, needing to grow and as you take that pain, allow it to turn into gain. And as you weather the process, you know, I, I'm a believer and I firmly believe that hold on to God and build your faith and your trust and literally where your heart is. Uh, may your treasure be there too. And if you're again, like I said earlier, if your treasure doesn't line up with your heart and vice versa, then sit down and roadmap it out, put some things in writing and don't try to do it alone. Go to someone, you know, there's safety in the multitude of counseling. So in this arena, when we talk about finances, find those that are good with finances and allow it to really work for you. You know, I, like I told you before here, there's other components, even when it comes down to the CrossFit stuff, that is an, an fortified intentional transformation. It has to become a part of your lifestyle and not just something that you do for the temporary. Yeah. Speaking of that, could you speak to the your organization, uh, CrossFit, before we wrap up and any other things you want to mention and how p- people could reach out to you too? Sure. So um, CrossFit Lifestyle is CrossFit being an acronym, not to be confused with CrossFit the Workout, but CrossFit um, is an acronym for Christ Redemption of Seeking Souls Fortified Intentional Transformation. It's a lifestyle. Totally believe that Christ died for us. If we seek him, we will find him. In him is all that we need. 
And we have to just be willing to allow our minds to be transformed, especially when we talk about the finances, but fortified intentional transformation. If you're interested in hearing more information or seeing this, I too have a YouTube channel. It is CrossFit Lifestyle with Frederick Williams. You'll find it. I would ask, you know, do what we do as YouTubers, subscribe and follow if you see things that are applicable for you. And we're also on Facebook as well as Instagram. Elite Freedom is more of a local non-for-profit, but that is a non-for-profit where we've been able to just bless not just individuals, but other organizations, churches, daycares, uh, both in Pennsylvania, Delaware, so forth and so on, um, all the way down as far as North Carolina and, and other uh, local regions, we've been able to help um, several folks. And what helped us get to 10,000 people or somewhere right at that number, it's not exactly quoted, but it's, I know it's more than that, um, is what happened when COVID happened is when the shelves of the stores were empty. Man, we were, my wife and I, we got in a van and just loaded it up and just drove out of state to help some kids who were in need through the daycare um, be, get fed. So that's CrossFit Lifestyle and Elite Freedom. Man, what a gift. Thank you, brother. Oh, Man. thank you. And we haven't even scratched the surface of all the stuff you've done. So I look forward to having you back and talking to other episodes. Uh, you know, the the, the point of this channel is to really hone down every single point of pain so that you can really gain from it. And, you know, if you watching, if there's something you that's in your heart that needs to be spoken to, you know, throw it in the comments and we could uh, get an expert to also speak to it too, or even somebody that's worked through it, which I would argue is also an expert. Um, or even in, in the midst of the journey is also an expert because somebody got to the end by being in the middle of it too. So thanks for watching. Catch y'all on the next episode of From Pain to Game.